definitely creating content that helps people is really the solution. What really works is building a community, consistently doing events like webinars, and producing content specifically for certain categories. You earn that raise and you earn that job. Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz, the B2B marketing podcast. I'm delighted to welcome onto the show today Jochem van der Fier from They Do. Good morning, Jochem. How are you doing? Hey, Justin. Good morning. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Great. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Doing good. Thanks. It's a bit cold today. I've got my jacket on. You know, winter is here. Hopefully we will publish this before the Christmas break, I'm hoping. And we can talk about your predictions for 2024. Um, yeah, so really happy to have you on. You've got a background in uh, UX design, right? Joachim, t- tell us a bit about your, your background. Yeah, sure. And it was designed broadly. And I've also worked a lot in marketing, trying to position and reposition brands and to get them to be customer-centric, which is why if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you see a lot of UX roles and service design roles I had. But the idea always has been, like after I left the agency world, that we were doing a shitty job at being truly customer-centric and really understanding what people are doing. So the last project, one of the last projects I did that filled miserably in the agency world was the redesign of the web shop of Citizen M, or basically the creation of the web shop of that hotel chain. The hotel and chain, right? Yeah, they grew it, really quickly, right, in, in, in about 10 years' space, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. That was a fantastic growth trajectory for that business. And then at some point, it's all like, hey, let's do e-com. Let's build out uh, a platform. Like this was pre-Shopify, right? You would do this on a Magento kind of like environment, which is ridiculous. But what we designed was looking amazing. It mimicked all the like square elements that they had in the store, like and even the the gold pineapple, which is a whole story to it, like you could buy in in the store. And it looked fantastic. We delivered it, shipped it. Customer was super happy. But it didn't do anything. Like, it didn't move the needle. People weren't willing to buy stuff from Citizen M online. And why was what that? Was, can well, I stop you there? What, what, what were they? Sorry, just they, what were they buying from a hotel? But that you could, you could buy the bed or something, or the telephone in the room. What, no, what, what like was all the, the artifacts, like the books, the, the golden pineapple, like all these kind of little quirky things they have in the hotels? Um, and then they would li- wanted to like launch their own like brands with some some of these like tiny accessories and all these kind of things maybe clothing for, for the brand. Those were the big ideas. But what we failed to do was say, hey, let's talk to your customers. Let's talk to the people that book frequently. Let's talk to the people that come here every other year. Let's talk to the people that have never been in a Citizen M, like to understand if they would be willing to buy. But we never did that. So what we designed and, and shipped was a beautiful website, an e-commerce platform, a web shop that nobody cared to use. And that was the last project I did. So I said, like, this has to stop. Um, let's start to help companies on this scale to be truly customer-centric. And that led us to start a company called The Foundation, where we actually helped brands connect with their customers and then use positioning, branding, design, but also internal processes like journey mapping, service blueprinting, bringing user-centered design or design thinking to these teams to actually help them to instill practices that would allow them to build, ship, or create anything that was truly customer-centric while moving the needle for the business. So that has been something that I've been busy with over the last decade and where I met Charles and Martin, but, uh, and those are my co-founders. So Martin is a strategist and Charles is an it, engineer. 
And they do, right? And they yeah. do. But we were so fed up with our own way of working at some point because we were doing the same thing over and over again. We were like literally driving with trucks load of post-its across the country. We were flying to all these different parts of businesses that we served on a global level. And we taught these teams the skills that we knew on customer centricity, whether our teams in marketing, whether our teams in design, whether our teams in the agile organization. Like usually we got the assignment from the board. Like we're not customer centric, help. And then when we went in, we did projects really successful, always tying people around the customer journey, doing the research to get the customer journey in a good place, getting the teams aligned with that, getting budget allocated and the resources freed up to deliver the solutions, the features, the value props that we uncovered, and then started from scratch again on Monday for the next team. So we were like, ah, this is ridiculous. They're so you're going be- round and round in circles, basically. This is what yeah, you felt like. If, yeah. if you look at it from an agency, like a consultancy perspective, this was great for, for business, right? We had a ton of clients. We had a ton of revenue. We were scaling. We were growing. People loved our services. But we thought, hey, this is, this is not doing, doing ourselves justice. So let's get some tools in the company so we can step out selling time, we can start building out our practice. That was the idea, to organize people around the customer journey. And then we realized there wasn't anything out there. There were mapping tools, Miro and those kind of whiteboarding tools were, were not even there. Like Miro is called real-time board back in the days. Right. And companies weren't, weren't having anything in place. So that's when we built V1 for Daydo. It was called the CX tool, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> for the agency. They, they do definitely sounds a lot better. Yeah, yeah. So that is a, that's another story how we landed on that. But uh, we, be, we built a V1 for our internal employees to be better at practicing what we had in our philosophy. And then our customers, and this was cool, said, hey, what do you have there? Can we get it? Can we keep it? Can we have it? And it was built on a WordPress backend, right? It was nothing fancy. But that was the start of like, okay, hang on a minute. Here's something going on. Why don't we build a journey management platform and see if we can change the world using a journey first approach to business? Brilliant. And who are you working with now at They Do? So ideal customer, success stories, where, where is it really fitting in in the market? So we are an enterprise great solution. So large organizations typically have already a lot of teams focused on the customer experience using the customer journey whether it's in the experience design org, whether it's in the service design or UX communities in these companies, like there is a push already happening. But all the way from the top, like in a lot of the large, and this is like where we play, like Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 type of businesses, the customer journey is known from the board level all the way down to the individual contributors. But there's nothing that connects the dots. There's no alignment and there's no link between experience and revenue goals. And that is where we come in and say, hey, let's tie everything together, give you a management philosophy. So companies like NCR, Johnson & Johnson, but also like here in Europe, for instance, Polestar is a a known brand that does it, or even local here in the Netherlands, like the Dutch Postal Service or the Dutch Railroad, like all of these type of companies reorganize their teams around the customer journey and need a proper platform to integrate their data, their insights, their roadmaps, their priorities, and their basically journey strategy on top of it. Are there any um, like like real world specific examples that you can give where you don't have to mention any company names, but 
where they get it so horribly wrong. I mean, I can just think of so many instances and I'm not going to say any names. I mean, my my custom journey experience is a lot through apps, right? But it might, might also be a website. And I can't mention any names because I'll probably get sued by the company if I start bitching about them too much. But sometimes it's horrible and they lose me as a customer and they could be doing really well with me. Do you have any real world examples of where it goes wrong? Where it goes wrong? Oh, yeah. Ton of, ton of examples. Like, I mean, try to, try to book, well, not with Airbnb, obviously, but like try to book <laughs> an apartment through booking.com, right? If you do that abroad, usually what happens is like the customer experience is so fragmented because you book with booking, then you yeah. get like the confirmation, then the apartment has their own hosting services, which send you a text message that you know nothing about. You're like, hey, hang on a minute. Is this phishing? Like they want some details of this, like, what is it? Super Hog or some, some app like that. Um, they want my details. And then you go back to the host. You try to reach them. Booking doesn't allow you to directly contact. So you go through their ticketing system. And then you get a reply three days later on email. Like the whole customer experience is messy in that way. But yeah. if you don't care about that, then it's all smooth. And I think this is, but this is like the general pattern here is like these companies don't necessarily don't like to be customer centric. But they're just shipping your UDR chart because they have like a marketing team here, a booking team there, a design team here, um, an account team there. And all of them serve a part of the customer experience, but they're not connecting the dots. So each of them is doing their own thing. So the revenue team might be saying like, oh, yeah, let's let's do booking because it's uh, it's a wider net to find people that actually like to find our apartment but they're not connecting the back offices to it. So there's no link between, hey, you get this this email or this message once you've booked to again give you the contact details and ask you for all this personal information that you've booked with us because those teams don't talk to each other. But I, as a customer, experienced this as one travel journey. So I think that was a, a recent example where I'm like, ah, oh, this, is, this is crazy, but this is how Messy. it works. Yeah, so many examples of that. Just for me on a just standard B2B SaaS, like some SaaS that we use, they send us an invoice via email, which we need because that goes then to an e invoice email, which then goes into the invoicing system and then that, that is then dealt with, right? Um, but, you know, some of them, oh, you've got to log in and download them all. And I'm like, guys, just build the system to, to do that. And I've actually left one SaaS because it got so irritating that we just found another one that did that. And, you know, it's fine, right? It's happy. I think a lot of businesses it's, it's out there, really, they don't really realize. It's hard to do, right? Because yeah. even in our company, I look at it and say like, okay, so we are building out these journeys and we have different types of buying journeys that when people engage with us, like they have different company size, different knowledge, different maturity, different like needs for like getting data. But sometimes they start in the product. We do have a sales team and they get excited about like, hey, there's Amazon, they are logging in, they're, they're checking it out. So they want to go after it. There's marketing emails that are going and floating around. So if we are not deliberate about like what are the rules of engagement, when is a marketing automation email triggered? When is an SDR, sales development rep, supposed to be reaching out to them? How do we align? And what is the message we're sending to this customer? How do we know what customer it is? So there's a lot in the background. And this is a big model for a lot of B2B SaaS to build out, like attribution, but also understanding like what is your ICP? Does it have an intent what is the intent and does it have in, in our case like the product qualified account signals that we like to see that we know this customer is serious or this user is serious and 
All of these go into a model, but if you're growing, you can guarantee that it breaks. And we're sending different messages at different times from different people to the same customer, and they might get annoyed. And I'm sure that we have lost a few beautiful opportunities because of that. Right. Because of the fragmentation, understood. Yeah. yeah. So, and we're like small enough to like be very deliberate about it. But as we scale, you need to be really good at understanding that journey and how mm. your teams are aligned to deliver that journey in a seamless way with the features, with the, the human touch, with the marketing automation that you're, you're doing. Unless, or, or like, and if you don't do it, it's really hard to backtrack with a large organization. And that is, I think, a problem for a lot of marketers today. Like most of them grew fast in terms of tools, capabilities, and things they could do, but they are not thinking about their journey. They are just thinking about conversion rates, filling the funnel on the top with like a lot of leads that sales can pick up. But are there any quality? What did we send to them? Is there any overview for people to understand where on the journey people are? And I think that is a big problem for a lot of marketing and, and product teams today. Definitely. So what's up next for, um, for they do? What do you have planned um, for the coming years? And um, also, let's also touch on the trends, right? Because we're going to touch on AI, but we discussed it before, for Yocom, we're going to talk about real world examples, right? But yeah, what, first question, what, what do you have planned next? What's, where, what does the future hold? So you said like next few years, next quarter. Yeah, yeah next let's say. Like, <laughs> Ty- typical entrepreneur answer. <laughs> what time frame? Next week? Tomorrow? <laughs> right. Yeah, the next few years. Next few years. So I think like what we're seeing in the market, and maybe we should start with a trend, is mm. this notion of like, hey, we're shipping the org chart. We're like organized vertically, but the customer experience cr- cuts across all these, these different silos. Like that's nothing new. We already knew that. But if we lay the journey in the customer journey as the center point as to reorganize ourselves around the customer journey and breaking it down into smaller parts, hey, hang on a minute, all of a sudden we're better aligned, we're able to avoid misalignment, avoid double work, and actually contribute to the results that we want to achieve. So that is, I think, the notion that we're seeing now companies take stock of and say, let's invest in that. Let's invest and become journey-centric or journey-led or customer journey-first. Those are a few things that I'm, I'm seeing in the market. And we're just like going as fast as we can to give them the tools to do so because this is a complicated beast. You don't need to like stop at having a proper journey hierarchy, having all your customer journeys in place. You need to build a management process to go from insight to implementation. So that is what we have been building, but it's just like a V three of that, right? We need to go two, three, five, four (laughs) steps ahead in the future and look at, hey, if you have hundreds of teams, I mean, if we're talking Ford, if we're talking HP, if we're talking NCR, they have hundreds of teams. How do we make sure they are all aligned with the customer journey and have the right information that they are allowed to have access to that gives them enough to align but also enough to make autonomous decisions as a team. And I think that's the other trend I'm seeing is like people stop to organize in, in squads or maybe even like worse in, in functional or matrix organization. And they start to, to think of a journey-based org structure. And that is the interesting thing for us to develop solutions for. It's like, how can we enable those teams to do their work in an effective way in a large organization. So those are a few broader things that we're doing. And just to make it very concrete, 
we're thinking of building the innovation pipeline. So basically bringing Gantt charts, timeline views, Kanban views to the opportunities that these teams are uncovering in their journeys. So they can actually manage everything from business goal and KPI that links to this opportunity in their customer journey, all the way to the implementation of it, whether that's in an, in an agile delivery team building a feature or it's a marketing team that launches a new campaign. All of these solutions are probably necessary to address a bigger opportunity. And to today, there are no tools that a large organization has to manage that at scale. And that's where we are investing in. Future Fuzz is sponsored by SalesSource. B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Brilliant, Joachim. Great insight there. So we talked about before the podcast that there is obviously you're going to give us your your trends and your predictions um, for 2024. And, you know, the hype is around AI at the moment, but you're doing something different. You've got real world examples of how you're implementing uh, this into into they do. So tell us uh, about that. So when it we saw AI coming right a year ago or so when it was launched and we didn't jump on the bandwagon. We said with our engineering team, okay, how are we going to tackle what is now becoming a reality for, for most of us? And instead of doing like the basic like three bullet summarization and like uh, let me just create fake personas or like some fake like uh, solution ideas for you, what a lot of tools are, are doing today. We said, okay, what is the real problem here? And what we found in our data was that to manage a business using the customer journey, you need high-quality customer journeys. And when we started digging and asking our customers, surveying them, doing research with them, how much time it actually takes to create a customer journey map that really gives you an understanding of like who's my customer, what steps are they going through, how do they experience each of the steps, the touch points, the features, the solutions, and maybe like the in-between things that we can't measure in that whole journey. If you've done the research, if you have talked to enough customers, if you have collected the data, even for a professional designer, service designer, or researcher, or UX designer, or someone in marketing or product who's trained to do this, it still takes 42 hours on average. And this is also like coming from research from Nielsen Norman Group that have done an extensive research on this. It still takes 42 hours to map out the customer journey, do the persona development, think about the steps, do the affinity mapping of all your insights, your needs, your pains, your gains, and understanding what the customer really goes through. So we said, okay, let's build that and let's just completely change how people think about customer journey mapping and give them back their time and say, hey, you want to use the insights from these journeys to deliver a better service, to deliver a better product, to come up with a better customer experience and to, to shape that, to ship that, to build that. So you shouldn't be worried about mapping out the journey. Doing research is important. Understanding your customer is important. So let's take those 42 hours and bring it back to four minutes. That's exactly what we've done. So you can now go take all your research, whether it's an interview transcript or your sticky notes or your just your random notes, Go and go to Daydo, put it in, and we'll help you do the mapping. And we have high-quality Journey, which is what Journey AI does for these teams. So they can go from doc to Journey in minutes. And once it's in place, you can start adding new research, fresh insights, like new transcripts from interviews that you're hosting. Just dump it in, dump it in, and we'll do the work for you. And the only thing a human then has to do is like fact-check. 
does it is it correct? Like, is the AI not hallucinating? And the quality is really high now. We got it to 90%. We want to get it to 95 before we ship it to, to the broader audience. We're testing it now with 50 people, uh, sorry, 50 organizations. And the results are amazing. You can actually, if you have like 200 journeys in an, in an organization, that is pretty typical for the first year of journey creation when people start to do journey management and setting up a journey framework. Well, if you do the math, like you can save hundreds of thousands of euros or free up time from your team to do it or remove all of the overhead that you would charge a, a large-scale consulting firm to to do this grunt work for you because that some companies pay millions a year on just like journey research and we're going to help free up that all that time and that is actually how we're building that into reality we're actually solving a big problem a huge time saver for these people so they can actually focus on what they love to do, which is research and design based on the insights they have. But like structuring that research takes a lot of time, which most people don't really enjoy, but see it as a necessary part of the job. And that is where we start with Journey AI. I think, would you say that then there's a lot of um, education needed amongst these brands and a lot of trust building is needed because it's... Um you know, it's it's not an it's not a quick and dirty implementation that you're doing there. You are getting inside these organizations and providing them with pretty complex tooling, which of course will solve a big problem. But yeah, what's what's the challenge there for these organizations to to come on board? Well, the challenge actually is the other way around. We thought, hey, what is the what is the real pain that we're fixing here for people? This time consuming element of the journey management process is journey mapping. So there's teams, I, I won't name names, but like one of the global bigger advertising companies that everyone uses every day, or um, one of the, the bigger clothing brands that you might have worn. Their <laughs> research teams are saying this, it's like, we didn't have the time to have enough high quality customer journeys to start aligning the companies. But we have all the research in the world lying around. Right. So just dumping that in and seeing it emerge and fact-checking it and understanding like, hey, is this actually in line with what we have been researching, what we heard people say, what they are telling us? And once you see those journeys emerge with the right steps, with the right insights, with the right pains qualified, the only thing these teams need to do then is say like, oh, where are the actual opportunities and connect the dots? And that is what makes it very compelling for them to take the plunge and say, hey, now we have no reason to not do it. We just were time constrained by doing the work. So we were focused on project-based journeys. And now all of a sudden we can unlock it. And that is what these teams are excited about. And these are professional research teams, right? It's not like the others in the organization, which are already on board because everyone is talking to customers. Most Zoom calls are transcribed. Well, just throw it in and see your actual customer experience emerge because customers are telling you all about it. There's Amazing. this one, maybe like as a, as a little wink, you asked about the brand name earlier. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing Patagonia. Is it Patagonia? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. Uh, but the, uh, the reason we're called they do is not because it's a fancy, nice way of saying things, but it's actually when we were practicing all of this in, in, the, in the analog world, we realized like, People say what they want, but they don't know what they need. And if you ask people what they did, 
they will give you a story that is about right, but you really need to understand what they are actually doing. So combining those two, so your qualitative research with the facts in your data will give you a true picture of what people do. So it's not what they say, it's what they do. And that's why we're excited with AI to cover the part of what people are saying and now linking that to, to the business data, what they're actually doing. Amazing, Joachim. We, we love speaking to scale-ups at uh, Future Fuzz in the podcast. And, um, you know, it, it, it's challenging. You, you're, you're a father of uh, three. I believe your youngest is around one year old. Right. So kudos to you to, to co-founding a company, running a company with your team, and then also having to take care of a family. I've been in that boat. My kids are slightly older than yours, but you know, it's tough work. Uh, running at scale up is also challenging, right? What, what, what are the uh, challenges that you have to face in order to grow your business, in order to scale your business? Well, in the end, it's all about prioritization. Like I want to be a loving father and I'm, I'm doing a good job at it. But it comes at a cost running this business because scaling this company, we're remote, right? So we're now 60 people all over the world, like literally all over the world. We have people in US and Canada and Mexico and all over the map in Europe. Don't have them yet in Asia, just is a, a reason for, for um, journey management, not yet picking up there, but like to keep our team close, build it out. We are now designing our leadership team. That is one of the biggest things that I'm doing and coming from a design background, now realizing I'm a CEO, supporting all these fantastic people to build out the company, to build out the space, to build out the market. It comes with a lot of new challenges and I have to reinvent myself every like other quarter to become the next version of myself, right? If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Well, I'm uncomfortable almost every day. So that is, I think, the... <laughs> the upside of it. And then, you know, my daughter gets sick. She's teething. She has fever. I have to pick her up from daycare because my wife also works some days. And like those kind of things happen. So my life is yeah. pretty dynamic. I wouldn't advise my younger self to do all at once. But again, like I never intended to build a product company. We stumbled upon the idea being fed up with the, the way of working where we're helping our customers to do when we're consulting. And we tried to build a better way and it's taking off and the family is taking off. So it's quite the right. But as you can hear, I'm pretty upbeat and excited and life is pretty good right now. Awesome, man. Great. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. I sympathize, you know, also parent. It's challenging, but again, it's fun. And on the weekend, it's 100% worth it. And, you know, you can always wake up at five in the morning just to catch up on some work, right? Well, I wake up at five in the morning anyway. So Anyway. <laughs> Of course you do. You got a one-year-old. Uh, awesome, Jochem. I really enjoyed that one. Um, absolute pleasure having you on Future Fuzz podcast. Uh, check out they do, and uh, also follow Jochem on LinkedIn. Just type in, type in Jochem they do right, and they'll find you. Um, thank you so much for being a great guest. Thanks, Justin, for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.